tired. So tired. Overtired. Hello, everybody. This is Overtired. I am your host, Jeff Severance Gunsel. I'm one of your hosts. Uh, our second of three hosts, Christina Warren, is in New York seeing Taylor Swift, which is I don't know if there's a if there's a more perfect term than on brand, but if there <laughs> is, then let's just uh, let's just imagine that I'm saying that word. Um, and then it, it's Brett Terpstra. Wait, the two so of us. I, I'm the third of three hosts, even though Christina is gone, I'm still in third place. I just, I, you know, I got excited about saying the Taylor Swift thing. It's just, a, you know, it, it's, it's not nothing to do with uh, preference or actual since, rank or hierarchy. Since you came aboard, there has been significantly less Taylor Swift talk overall, mm. um, which I personally don't mind. Like it, it still comes up. Yeah. But, uh, but there have been episodes of this podcast that have been all about Taylor Swift. Right, right. Longtime listeners will know that there's a reason that our tagline was Taylor Swift podcast. Yeah, completely. Yeah. It'd be good. Uh, it'd be a good bit if we just dedicated one of these words, you and me, to Taylor Swift and it didn't say anything. <laughs> we'd have to really work. I think we'd have to do some prep work, but I think we could pull it off. <laughs> to, to not say anything about Taylor Swift? No, to only talk about Twi- Taylor oh, Swift. To only talk about Taylor to Swift. Only talk about t- Taylor Swift. Why can't I yeah, say her name? Tw- that would- Twiler. Twailer. Shania, Shania. Yeah, see, Twiler I was Shania-ing it all together. <laughs> I know they're very different. So here we are. Here we are. Brett. Um, how's your mental health, Jeff? You know, I can talk about something that was just lovely for my overall professional mental health this last week. Um, we're starting a new project. Uh, it's a research and evaluation co-op that I'm part of. Um, we're starting a new project with a new client. And it's basically many months of designing an evaluation and then hoping maybe we get the contract to do the evaluation. So we'll see. Okay. Um, it's, it's an unusual contract for us. Anyway, it's one that is with a, a client that is um, sort of in the league that we have not previously um, engaged with. Uh, and so um, they do everything in a much more sort of orderly professional way than most of our clients. Like we have to use Microsoft Teams, which otherwise I've never had to use. Sure. Um, and there are all these other things, like when you submit a budget, there's a template for it, which is not something we usually have to deal with. There's just there are protocols because this is such a large organization that um, are unlike anything we've dealt with in the past, and we're super adaptable. But like, it's it's very new. So so we decided we were going to hire a project manager um, because in the past how we've worked, we're like little rogue evaluation groups, you know, two to five of us, and we just kind of like make do with our combined skills. But we realized that um, this might be one where our combined skills and our combined personalities don't necessarily um, like meet the bar. And so we're like, and I've always wanted to work with a project manager. I think that's just like a fantastic idea. If it's the right person, right? Project managers are like copy editors. Sometimes they're so obsessed with their own sort of toolbox that there's absolute rigidity and no fluidity or flexibility. Like with copy editors, I've, I've had experiences most of my experience has been fantastic because I love to be edited in yeah, any way same, possible. I just same. love people saying, no, do it this way and then giving it a shot. Right. But if it can't be like a conversation, <laughs> yeah. then it's really tough. But anyway, um, you know, with, I've had copy editors who, for instance, forget that there is a such thing as voice. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, we can do it all by the book, but then we lose the voice, whether it's yeah. mine or whoever we're editing. And with project managers, I've had the experience where it's like, OK, I come in with this tool. And you all have to learn this tool. And like, that's the death of almost all project management, sure. right? It's when yeah. you try to force a tool. I would love to force a whole suite of tools no, on the teams the, I work with. The death is when you force a tool and then change your mind. <laughs> yeah, that's and true And you're like, too. actually, now we're going to use Asana for everything. Exactly, Asana. Yeah, I've been I've been down that road. Not not uh, voluntarily, but... Um, so anyway, it, we put out... We had to hire this person in like a week. So we had to like you know, get all the applications, do the interviews. We did 11 interviews, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And um, what was so awesome about it was I have been working with a very like limited group of people on a project for like six years. And so it's always been the same faces, the same work styles. It's been fantastic, but it's been a long time. 
And I've been excited at the prospect of working with other people in our co-op and just having a different experience overall. So we put this out there. And because we're like a social justice-based, like systems change uh, organization, a lot of people that come to us or that we reach out to to work with us get excited because the thing they're doing doesn't always (laughs) mean that they get attached to like social justice type work or change making work. And, um, and so that makes for a really cool relationship because it's people you've, this happened with you, right? I remember you saying this, like you were like, Hey, I'm happy to apply my skills to something about like juvenile justice and like helping kids or whatever. Like, um, so, so we got people like that and, and we just, what was amazing is like almost everybody, even the people that were totally wrong for the job, they were all like inspiring to me. They all said something that I was like, Oh my God, I've never thought about that that way. Um, and, and so it was just, it was lovely to see that there are people out in the world that think differently there are that think like me, um, who I, I wouldn't have otherwise been able to connect with. And it made me really hopeful. Like there were people that aren't going to get this job that we're already going to be reaching out to about other work, you know? Um, and so it just felt good. It just felt good to expand and remember, like, it's not, just me in my tiny office. Um, and, and I've been like that since way before the pandemic. Um, it was cool. I don't want to work in offices with any of these people, but <laughs> I'm like really excited um, to to be kind of learning about like a way of thinking about work. Um, and I think it'll solve, there are just natural conflicts that that come up when you don't have a project manager. Like somebody will naturally sort of acquire or almost take a little more power than others. Um, some people who maybe think or talk differently or react differently, um, maybe they take more time to sort of gather their thoughts, end up being, um, you know, sorted below the people that are really quick. Um, and so for me, having a project manager is exciting because I think it can really like, it can, it can help us to kind of live out our, like our equity goals, which we do a pretty good job of in our organization overall. Um, it, we are just kind of a, we're a diverse organization, not in a forced way at all. Um, but because we've just managed to kind of find our people. Um, and so anyway, that just felt good. It felt good. I got excited about work and I've been pretty, I've been pretty kind of like wrote about work for a while. Um, so that just, that feels good. Um, it was still hard to do all those interviews and get all my other deadlines met. So it caused a little stress too, but that was nice. And I'm really excited to working with, I'm really excited to be working with new people. Um, so new spirits. Nice. Now I'm worried that I might be one of those overly rigid copy editors. Oh, you think so? No, no, no. Copy editing requires rigidity. I, you, it, you have to be a bit of a fascist. Like there's no (laughs) way around that. Like, I want to be clear, like, it's a little tiny tripwire that you can hit, you know, and you have such a natural sense of voice anyhow. Yeah. That, um, and it's, uh, but why do you, why do you think that? Why do you think maybe well, you? So in my current job, uh, for a while there, I was basically copy editing and, um, we were using Markdown via a GitHub workflow, for the editing and I was very strict about like my, my like markdown syntax and, and using GitHub properly. And like, I'm good with, like, I understand voice. Like it's, it's, if something was written, even if it's not a voice that I think is like perfect, I, I understand like this author has a voice and, and I can work with it. So I'm most, mostly focused on grammatical and spelling stuff when it came to the actual copy. Yeah. But as far as the tools went, I was, I was a bit, a bit strict. But don't you think that you're in a context, you're in a sort of programmer, you know, power user context, aren't you? So it feels like you can, you should be able to get away with being strict about that. I would think so. Cause I, I'll tell you what I got, I got very frustrated. <laughs> did you? I did. What was the thing that was most frustrating? Um, just when basic markdown syntax couldn't be adhered to, um, I mean, like very syntactical things that, that didn't work. Like they were just wrong. And, and I repeatedly would fix them and, and add comments saying, please take care of this in the future. And, like I have some niggles, like um, 
like white space in markdown documents, like always putting a line break before a list element yes. or a line break after a headline and things that just make readability of the markdown itself easier, even though super important, you can get away with it. In a lot of cases, you can get away with not doing it. Like I set up a style guide and I was like, here are the rules and repeatedly the rules weren't followed. And then I wrote some custom plugins and created my own syntax for a few things. And, and people never um, assimilated the information to make them work properly. So I spent a lot of time correcting liquid, liquid syntax. And it, it, I'm glad I'm past that part of my job. Do you ever just, did you ever scream in a meeting? I am not, no, no, it's not, did you ever scream in a meeting? Did you ever scream in a meeting? I am not a linter. Uh, I did not. <laughs> Episode title. I did not. I, I would complain to Elle on our nightly walks. I would tell her how annoyed I was with, you know, an individual or my team in general. Um, but I always maintained a very diplomatic uh, persona in those in those yeah. proceedings yeah yeah <laughs> i uh I'm, I'm i'm i think i would like i applied for a managerial position a little while ago and i don't have a lot on my resume um that is actual management positions yeah but i have fallen into that role enough times that i feel like i could do the job yeah uh, whether or not i actually want to is another question but I feel like I make a good I'm, – I'm good at dealing with people uh, and ordering people around without ordering people around. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. Man, I, I, um, I don't do a lot of editing now, but I, I, generally am, I generally consider myself a good editor, not copy editor. Um, I really love working with people's uh, text. I love sure. trying to sort of – I love making changes that they like. <laughs> sure. I don't mind it if they don't like it, but I, I would like to, what I, what I want to be when I'm editing is someone who like um, is sensitive enough to the voice that I can take it on for a minute. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, not steal it. <laughs> Just take it on for a minute. I remember we used to, in the punk planet magazine days, um, our approach to interviews was we would take the full transcript and and I know there are people who are listening who are going to like slam their fists on the table and you probably work in a newsroom and that's why I don't work in newsrooms anymore. Um, but we would take the entire um, Q&A and we would rewrite our questions if we needed to because the, the, the absolute priority was readability. And what mm -hmm. we would hear over and over, I remember this happened with a Mekons interview that Dan, our, um, the, the founder of Punk Planet had done. John Langford was like, I've never sounded that articulate <laughs> or like I, and I actually learned something. I, I interviewed Ian Mackay of Fugazi who sure. always seems to give a great interview, right? Like he's, I don't know if you used to read interviews with him, but like if you're in punk rock, like if you have a punk rock history, you've read some Ian Mackay interviews yeah. and you've appreciated the kind of nuggets. Well, I, I'm sorry, Ian, I'm sorry. I love you so much, but you were a fucking mess. <laughs> and there was a point at which he was telling me about a, a a game they play on tour where like you look at like a, a Ford Explorer or something like that and you just add um, anal before it's so like anal Explorer. And he went on about this for quite a while. This was an interview about <laughs> about digital music streaming and whether or not Discord would ever play ball with iTunes. That's how long ago it was, right? <laughs> and I remember just being like, this is not how I imagined this would go. <laughs> and so when I edited it, sure enough, like the quotes I pulled out were amazing. Like and they were un they were unedited. Like when he gets to his point, it's fantastic. Yeah. I don't mean to pick on Ian Mackay. I just feel like for all the years he spent yelling at people from the stage i can i can like speak to him directly from from my stage <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i love you and you changed my life and all of that stuff but anyway like that's how we used to do interviews and like i i brought that to editing in other contexts where it's like where you actually are a little more allowed to do that right like if it's yeah. someone's writing you can kind of move things around i loved that i loved it but um yeah, yeah. i that's all so like systematic most of the interviews I've done in my life were for my old podcast, Systematic. And 
there were plenty of interviews over a few hundred episodes that definitely I would have liked to have the the kind of liberties you can take in text. Yeah. You don't necessarily have, uh, well, you can if you have the time in yeah. audio, but it pretty much like I could cut things out, but to like rearrange and like fill in quotes. You know how like in copy editing, you can write what someone said in quotes and then yep. add, you know, in brackets or in between, you can yep. kind of fill in and you can add sick. Um, right. Yeah, right, right. That's usually uh, what I'm feeling like an asshole of. <laughs> <laughs> or or a note, an editor's note. And uh, you don't get that. You don't have a lot of those liberties in uh, an audio interview, which uh, there were definitely cases where I would have appreciated that. But anyway. Yeah, I love I'm actually love um, editing audio. It is so incredibly time consuming. It's so fascinating to essentially edit text that you can't see. Yeah. And it's also amazing. When I was working in radio, this this happened a lot when I was producing like three minute stories. It's like you start to be able to kind of read the waveform, right? Yeah. Like it's not like you you know the words, but you can kind of well, you could some words you can start to recognize, like <laughs> right. like and um, you know, everyone has their their tick, but yeah, I find that kind of fascinating. Anyway, how about you? How about you? Let's uh that's all. um <laughs> yeah. Uh things are going really well on uh on my current med regime um i had we've talked about i believe uh some of the problems i had with getting my vivance and yeah um i had gotten through most of the hoops through which i had to jump uh now that my psychiatrist has moved to a private practice um but they had a urine drug panel requirement and um, I didn't know exactly hmm. what they were testing for, but I'm I'm 90% drug free, um, except for some that I actually use for mental health, right? Um, right. Which I'm not at liberty to talk about. But um, apparently, I'll just say psilocybin doesn't show up on a 10 10 panel urine test. Interesting. Uh, so that wasn't a concern for me, and everything else was going to be fine. But it took them like two weeks to get the results to my doctor. Um, so I had this, she went ahead and gave me like two weeks at a time until we had this figured out. Uh, but now everything is clear. I am, I'm good to go. Uh, future Vivance refills should not be nearly as much hassle as I went through to get set up with this new one. Um, so that's good. One thing that I have found has been really good for me lately is hiking. Um, we have, so we have this uh, landmark in our town called Sugarloaf. It's a, a sandstone butte on top Can of. I, is there, are there any bluegrass songs on by Sugarloaf Mountain? Oh, I'm sure we host a bluegrass festival. I'm sure it's been done. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, we there's a newish trail that goes up to Sugarloaf and it takes about 30 minutes, uh, mostly uphill to hike up the bluff, up to Sugarloaf. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you can like touch the rock and then head back down. So it's, it's about an hour round trip. And I've been trying to do that once a week and it has been really good for me. I'm building up cardio, uh, endurance and it's helping my mental health and we're still going for walks in the refuge. So last week we did Sugarloaf on Sunday and then did the Wisconsin wetlands on Monday. And we saw a uh, hundred goslings. It was like, they were probably two weeks old, most of them. Um, so like the trails were just covered with like lines, like you'd have like the mom in the front and the dad in the back and like six to eight goslings between them. That's amazing. And they would like cross the trail and hop in the water and like slowly escape from the invading humans. Um, and we saw swans and it was the, uh, first dragonfly hatch. 
Oh, so nice. Were, yeah, like as you walk down the trail, like just dragonflies popping out of the trail, see out of your way. And um, I'm looking forward to the damselfly hatch. I hope we catch that because like the sides of the trails turn blue with all of these damselflies. Oh, my God. Wow. And it's yeah, it's really fun. I have a great time. Uh, so that was a very rewarding uh, morning in the wetlands and it stuck with me all week and it is an experience like that just getting out and seeing nature like even aside from the mental health benefits of exercise which are you know strong and well proven uh but just seeing like natural phenomenon really yeah. sticks with me and gives me like a lot of um pleasure through through the whole week afterward uh so that's been really good for me that's great and i would say that 95% of our listeners probably have no idea how stunningly beautiful the part of minnesota you are in is yeah it's stunning it's, if you think of minnesota and you think uh iowa landscape you haven't been to southeast minnesota which is just all bluffs and valleys and and green and so and rivers and lakes and it's fantastic yeah it's truly incredible. Um, I really should just come down to visit you. I, yeah. I don't know why I haven't done that yet. <laughs> you should. There, we. I just found out about a new nine-mile trail uh, that I'm looking forward to checking out. But nice, so many good. We like the whole Singer Trail system is nine miles of bluff trails. A lot uh, open to mountain biking, uh, but all open to hiking, and it's. It's fantastic. I'll show you around. These mountain bikers are just insane. I don't understand how they aren't all dead. I, like, I want to know the mortality rate of, of mountain bikers that use those crazy trails. Back in high school, I raced mountain bikes. Did you? And, yeah. And, and I would race all through Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Dang. And honestly, it was always great to come home because our trail systems are... We have... Uh, Long, long uphill climbs with crazy downhill runs. And then most of the larger loops have something called suicide trails, ah, which good. are like when you get to the peak, instead of taking the rounding uh, like kind of path down to the bottom, you can go straight down the hill, like mm. straight down. <laughs> and it is it is suicidal. And I, is uh, there is there some kind of emergency mental health provider at the top of the hill before you go down? <laughs> Negative. <laughs> just and, a quick just a quick evaluation before you get down there. And they're often in deep enough that you would have to get a helicopter if you had a serious injury. You'd oh, have to be man. like airlifted out. Yeah. <laughs> it is it's very dangerous. Yeah. Um but you know, at your own risk, I guess. Yeah. You're immortal at that point. Um, definitely not at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, we got our bikes fixed up, uh, just spent $150 repairing bikes that had sat in storage for too long. Wow. Uh, so yeah. just yesterday, Elle and I started get, getting out for bike rides and, uh, it's, you can go eight miles is too far for me to walk. I'm not going to do an eight mile hike. Yeah, no, me neither. But an eight mile bike ride, that's a different sure. story. That's a like, nice, that's a nice ride. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I, I think we should do a sponsor, but before we do that, um, I wanted to just let everybody know that we are going to a sort of reduced schedule for the summer. We're going to be going every other week starting today, starting with this episode. And then in August, we'll be launching season four yep. of the Overtired Podcast. Maybe we'll even have a new tagline. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> Who knows? maybe something not Taylor Swift related. Or maybe we'll all have Taylor Swift tattoos and, and it'll feel like, yeah. you know, let's just continue to, to, to merge with her. We'll, we'll have uh, some meetings. We'll confer. Yeah, some meetings and confer. So what do you think? Good time for a sponsor? Yeah. All right. So I actually, last time we did this sponsor, you weren't here and you were the one person that I thought would most appreciate this sponsor based on your feedback from the free samples they sent. So do you want to do this read? 
Yes, I wish I still had the, I had saved the boxes of the ones I love the most, but I think I can speak to the quality of them. Um, all right. So our, our sponsor this week is Factor. Uh, this spring, you need nutritious, convenient meat, not just this spring, you always need nutritious, convenient meals to energize you for warmer, active days and keep you on track, reaching your goals. I find that trying to reach my goals usually means I'm not eating enough, but that's not that's not the read. Uh, so Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and tackle everything on your to-do list. It's like the productivity uh, like <laughs> spin, isn't it? Too busy to cook this spring with Factor? Skip the trip to the grocery store and skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back outside and soak up the warmer weather. They offer delicious, flavor-packed options on the menu each week to fit a variety of lifestyles. From keto, is it keto or keto? Keto? Keto. Not keto like the the um, great witness in the in the <laughs> in No the keto, OJ keto is in ketosis. <laughs> ketosis. Hi, Factor, if you're if you're paying attention to this read, I hope you understand this is value added, okay? So <laughs> skip the chopping, the prepping, the cleaning. They've got, you know, they can meet you where you're at from keto to calorie smart, vegan and vegetarian and protein plus, uh, prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. Each meal has all of the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long while meeting your goals. With 34 plus chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 plus add ons, including breakfast items like egg bites, smoothies, and more. So, you want to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready faster than restaurant delivery in just two minutes. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of your delivery emissions to your door, source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. Head to factormeals.com slash overtired50 and use code overtired50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code overtired50, and that's the number 50, not spelled out, at factormeals.com slash overtired50 to get 50% off your first box. And and I'll just say, we got a free box, and um, I was really surprised. Like, it, first of all, it was way less packaging than some of the other options I've noticed. Um, but like it tasted fresh and it was flavorful and it had more than just two sort of layers of flavor, like microwave things often yeah. can. Yeah. Um, I've, sub I've subscribed to meal plans because like the convenience of microwave meals can't be beat. Um, like I appreciate meal kits that let me do some cooking, but that takes half an hour. Right. And and part of the convenience of a meal plan is not having to spend so much time on food. So these microwave meals are great, but this is the first time I've ever had microwave meals that actually impressed me and didn't feel like a major compromise. Um, yeah. Yeah. They were, they're delicious. And, and like, also it's pretty rare that you can satisfy all four members of our family and, sure. and this did. And, and, um, yeah, it was, and and also like I mean this is let's uh, this is kind of separate from the read here, but just to say like my spouse and I have often joked, and it's not a joke. Fucking dinner again? Like seriously, <laughs> this happens every day. Um, so it's always <laughs> something easy is always welcome. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's that. That's that. Get your box. Get your box of food. Fifty percent off. Free separate, food. Separate from the read, I want to say. I don't know what factors um, employee treatment policy is. They're now owned by HelloFresh, which has done too much union busting for me to accept them as a sponsor. Um, and I don't know if factor is completely separate from that as far as their employee treatment goes. So if it comes to light that factor is union busting, we will probably cease to have them as a sponsor and issue an apology. Um, but for now, 
based on the research I've done, these guys are okay. Despite making everything we's and not they's. Yeah, right. Ours and not <laughs> theirs. There's, there's some pronoun issues <laughs> yeah. in this read. All right. Anyway. Um, okay. So I have a couple... I was rolling over cables on my floor. I have a couple of um, of topics, uh, I think, um, and I wanted to I wanted to start with one. I, I got to thinking, as I often do, I, I sort of marvel at, at your cornucopia of skills. Um, and as as we've talked about on on episodes before, the sort of uh, graciousness of the tools you build. Um, they, they, I know that, you know, the ones that I use, which is most of them, um, really help me with my, my sense of, um, just my sense of control. Um, I can, I can really just kind of lose a sense of centeredness when I'm working, especially if I'm working on projects with like three different clients in a day. Um, and so, Brett, your tools, or even just the philosophy of them <laughs> help me a lot. So even if I've fallen off of the Terpster wagon on some tool I used to use all the time, um, the sort of general philosophy behind it, it's just like, let's let's create order um, where there is chaos, not pretending that the chaos doesn't exist. That's actually a quality of your tools that I think is, is <laughs> undersold. Um, it accepts the chaos uh, and tries to work on top of it, dance on the chaotic waters, if you will. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm going, going so, so far into this bit. I was wondering if you had one skill that you could kind of snap your fingers and then apply to the the kind of work you've always been doing, what would it be? Huh. I like skill, like a like a programming skill. It could be a skill, or it could be like all of a sudden you are very good at thinking about and and applying that thinking to you know whatever well, thinking about so, a thing. Yeah. Um, a thing that I would like to think more about would be, um, future, future proofing code. Mm. Um, and I've gotten way better at it. Mm. Um, I've gotten way better at writing code that other people can easily, uh, manipulate and, and, uh, contribute to. Yeah. Take actually, you're kind of defining now what, um, future proofing means, but go further into your definition of that. Well, so right, yeah, writing maintainable code, I guess, is how I would phrase that. Um, writing code that a lot of the stuff that I've done has been based on APIs. Uh, take Twitter, for example. Um, like a lot of the tools that I wrote around Twitter suddenly no longer work. Yeah. Um, and writing code in a modular way that it's easy to say uh, substitute. Uh, Activity Pub or whatever Blue Skies API is called um, to make it as modular as possible, so that it can easily be transformed when some when something underlying breaks, or you know, like a, a a coding language like Ruby or Python goes through a major upgrade, um, make it code that's easy to retrofit into. Uh, new requirements, and so, that's it's it's a talent I've I've been developing, but definitely one that I would like to. If I could just snap my fingers and be good at something, that's what I would like. Okay, so then distinguish for me. I think you know we can all intuit what that looks like in terms of comments, you know, which I yeah. want to talk about in a minute. But like, I'm very interested in in what that means in terms of writing the code itself like what what are the qualities of code you've said modularity is one yeah. right that yeah. is future proof it is it's modularity it's um like when i first start working on something i tend to write these long spaghetti scripts like all in one file uh not broken up well into functions um but by by breaking it up into smaller methods and functions um, that aren't that are that can serve as like a single point of failure uh, means that you can just update one function and everything else will work um, by properly reusing code 
and by by making every action into a modular piece then when something breaks like say for example you have a function that performs an api call if you if that api call is in the script itself and and uh, repeated multiple times editing if that api changes editing becomes a hassle whereas if you call out to a single function that makes the api call um, and maybe takes parameters that can change what the API call is, um, then if something changes in the API, you can just edit that one function and everything continues working. Um, I would, I would imagine a- too that taking that approach means that if somebody, let's say that there's a brand new language called Zool, uh, in, in 15 years and, and somebody who's really good at Zool goes to look at your Ruby work and it's, and it's, and it's built exactly the way you've just described it. It must be easier to apply it to your own thing. Cause you're kind of going, Oh, I yeah. see he's doing this here. And then this. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I've done some work lately trans translating Ruby into TypeScript hmm. and definitely, um, the, the more modular something is, the easier it is to grok exactly what's happening in a method and to rewrite it in a new language. And it would be nearly impossible to convert something that was just one huge function that did everything. Uh, yeah. And you have to convert it like line by line, but you don't know exactly how things relate to each other. And yeah, the more modular you can make it, the easier it is to translate between languages. Okay, so so then beyond comments i'm wondering so i think a lot about this with um we talked about it last week like when you're using ai like how do you denote that right and how do you denote it in a way that has the best chance of surviving into the future but like even separate than that i've started to realize that you know with things moving so fast like even as metadata i would like to add a paragraph of context you know um and or i I was wondering in your case like is it is it useful to comment? Is it useful in the comments to say, "Hey, I made this. You know, I made this thing to call this. You know, this particular API. This was this version of the API, and it yeah. was done in this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> this month of this year. You know, I mean, for that's detective usually, work, that's usually discernible. Like a well-written API has its version number in the REST URL. I was going to ask about that. So uh, it's it's usually pretty easy to discern. Um, in cases where that's not true, absolutely. Uh, like denoting what version of the API you're using. Like that's for me, like comments, you can explain literally everything that happens in a function. And if you use like chat GPT to write your comments for you, it will, it will explain everything the function is doing and it will explain how each parameter is used, which is. I mean, thorough, but when I'm reading somebody else's code, I'm usually doing it with enough knowledge to glance at a block of code and understand what it's doing and how it's doing it. Um, and the comments for me should just serve to, um, it should be like one or two lines that denote, here's here's what I did here, maybe some comments within the function saying, you know, to do or fix me or explaining why something is an unexpected way. Um, I really like yard. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with no. yard. What's yard? Uh, is, it, a, is it uh, part of Zool? <laughs> it's a documentation <laughs> syntax used, uh, I think, only for Ruby. But um, it's a lot like JS doc or other I'm sure there are things in Python that are similar, but you can write the comments out and then run a yard processing on it and it turns it into documentation. Oh, uh, So what you see is the name of the method, a description of what the method does, and then a description of every parameter it takes. And, and then it tells you what it returns, you know, an object or a hash or whatever. I've often wondered with comments like, where I'm sure everyone's different with this, but where do you draw the line between, okay, I am I am only going to address people who have a sort of implicit skill set um that that would cause them to be reading this code in the first place? Like yeah, how do you think a, about that? 
That's a good question. Like in this age of AI that we are very suddenly in. Very suddenly. Um, I don't think it's necessary to over document anything because any coder, even if they're fresh to a language, can now ask ChatGPT to explain code to them. Yeah. And it will do that. And you could put that all in the comments. But I feel like I don't know exactly where the line is, but there's a limit to how much is actually useful when someone could just select a code block and say, explain this to me. Right. Right. That's true. Yeah. I think the only, and this hardly ever happens in comments, but it certainly does happen in comments. The only, the only thing that you could add is voice. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, which isn't necessarily that important, but it's like, well, yeah. In code comments, you don't, I yeah, mean, you don't have voice. I, f I find voice annoying. Yeah, I do, I, I do too when I'm reading code. I don't, you yeah. know, I, I, but it's like, uh, you know, if you really zoom in on a silicone chip, there's usually these little etchings that are like Pac-Man or it's like something silly <laughs> that's way, way deep in there. Um, that's fun, but that's different. That's an Easter egg. Most people just can't see that. Yeah, that's an Easter egg. Exactly. Um, okay, I have another related like uh, what if you could question that's related to Last week, I talked about um, being so happy to have found a Firefox extension that merges Windows um, because I I spray tabs and Windows uh, indiscriminately into the crowd um, every day on my monitors. And, and I know with like Sublime Text, I've taken advantage for so long on being able to just merge all the tabs into one window because um, I, I just like for whatever reason, like... If I'm in a big hurry, it's just straight to a text editor. Even though I've got NV Ultra running, that's where all my text, you know, <laughs> that's where it all lives. But like, I just go to Sublime Text. So anyway, one of the one of the kind of reasons that that's important is, you know, for me, we talked last week about how I need something that I can smash, and everything goes back into some sort of order, right? So like, uh, for me, it's being able to merge windows. Um, there are of course all these like more nuanced things. Like I have Hazel working on a ton of desktop folders to make sure that my desktop is never totally insane. Um, so there's things like that as well that are kind of running in the background, but there's this like thing that happens every day, which is my windows just build up and build up to the point where sometimes I kind of can't think. Um, and, uh, and I need to reset. I'm curious for you, Mr. Like I've, I've written a fucking hack for everything. Um, is there something that's that's that is common to how you use your computer right now um, that causes chaos that is as of yet unsolved? Hmm. I so I like uh, I I have a messy desk. Yeah, like my physical desk is yeah. is always a little bit messy. Uh, it gets cleaned maybe every other month. I'll do a full clean on it, but like I. I thrive with a certain amount of clutter. Yeah. And like right now, looking at my, my desktop, um, computer I have, desktop, I can see, see 12 different windows across two, two displays. And it doesn't bother me at mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. Um, like using command tab switching and, uh, hiding and minimizing, like makes that very manageable for me. Yeah. Um, I do like to use bunch when I'm switching to a new context that does not require all of the windows I currently have open. I'll just use bunch and hide all or quit everything. Uh, bunch has a command to literally quit every running app. Um, yeah, right. Every, every running non menu bar, app. the ultimate big red button. You can just put burn everything into a bunch file and it will quit everything and open like a new workspace for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't have any friction in the way I'm working right now. Um, I like being able to like a lot of times I'll be working in two apps at once um, or two or two windows at once. And I have keyboard shortcuts that will move windows to left and right sides of the screen. Sure. Or, or like I have a keyboard shortcut when I'm working in sublime or multi markdown composer, I can just hit hyper in my case, hyper mod K, which is the same as hyper down arrow. Yeah. Um, and it will center 
it'll narrow the window to like uh, 800 pixel width and center it on the screen full full height. And mm. like that's that's how I like to edit text and like keyboard shortcuts that uh, that move my windows around and arrange everything. And I can pretty much navigate entirely using my keyboard and I'm I'm pretty happy with it. I don't I don't I don't have any problems that are nagging me. Yeah, I'm still in a situation where partly again, because I work on different projects with different clients. There's like different ways of communicating. There are different ways of storing the project data. Um, one way I, I kind of control all of that right now is my stream deck always has, like we use Google Drive a lot, which I do not love, but we use it all the time. And there are things I like about it, but overall I don't love it. But how else are you gonna do this collaboratively, right? So I have buttons for like all of the major folders. Um, yeah. That's mostly because where I have this kind of quality or this, let's just call it a problem, um, where if I'm in a meeting, um, it's very difficult for me to navigate things on my computer while I'm in the context of a meeting. I get um, sort of I'm almost like rattled if I try. It's kind of, it's, sure. I have this problem when I'm driving where if I'm driving alone or with somebody who's quiet, I'm fine. If I'm driving and talking, I'll miss every single fucking turn. I'll randomly turn right, like all kinds of things go sure. wrong. Um, and it's you're not, similar. You're not a multitasker. Most people aren't. I'm no, I, and I I accept that, right? Like that's like it's scientifically supported. <laughs> yeah, it's not not a thing that is actually what we think it is. But anyway, um, for me, having these physical buttons on the stream deck so that when I'm in a conversation with somebody, I know I can quickly pull up these folders and then help answer the question. There's something in me that. Um, it definitely lived in me in school where I was constantly terrified of being put on the spot. Um, whereas I'm really super comfortable sort of in a, in a truly collaborative conversation. But if I think I'm going to be put on the spot, I'm, I'm like hot faced from the start. Right. Yeah. So this kind of helps me to just pull shit up. I need it so bad. Um, and, and, and likewise, the thing that I've, I've really, um, not dedicated enough time to, I need information at my hands. And so I don't have enough in say Envy Ultra um, to be able to really quickly call up information. And my goal would be to have all of my 8 million notes I've made in Sublime um, that are saved in like project folders to have them all be like well-organized notes in Envy Ultra so that I can just pull information up quickly. Um, Cause I really, pa I panic in context. Like if I'm, and if I'm in the middle of a meeting, I just can't do it. So in a similar vein, like the one thing I have on my stream deck that's that's related is I have a button that raises up the Zoom. Uh, yes. So I can I can go off. I can. It's like a panic button almost. So like while someone's talking, I can go check uh, something on my machine. I can yeah. load up whatever app is necessary to follow up on what's happening in the meeting. And then with one button. I can bring the uh, now now obscured Zoom window back to the foreground. Yeah, um, see whatever's being shared or everything. I I hate when screen sharing starts and it goes full screen. Yeah. That, oh, I hate that. That hate messes it. with me. So I immediately will always move it back to uh, a regular window. I think and, you can set it to not do that, but I yeah. still I've never done it. <laughs> yeah, I've never figured that out either. Um, but with one button, then I can get back and see what people are saying, what's happening. Uh, and then I have buttons for mute and unmute. Yeah. Um, and start and stop video because I really appreciate at, at Oracle, how it's been normalized to show up for meetings without video. Oh, that's and wonderful. It is. It is. It's great. And like if I'm if I'm in a one on one meeting and the person I'm talking to turns on their camera, I will also mm -hmm. um, just because it feels like a, norm. Um, a mutual thing. Yeah. But in most meetings, I don't have a camera on. Um, if things if a personal question is asked that I feel like deserves a video response, I have a button that'll turn that on for me. And that's a nice idea. Later. Um, that's a nice idea. Um, so have you played around with Hookmark? So yes, and not since it became, I mean, I played around with it when it was called what? 
uh, hook. hook. And the, here's the thing. When I play with a tool like that, I can immediately see that I am not going to go all the way in, which means I'm going to have all this fucking cruft everywhere, I sure. think. I don't know if there's literally cruft left behind. But since it became Hookmark and it showed up in my set app, and I feel like maybe it's going to be around, I've been meaning to play with it. So tell me, tell me why you brought it up. Well, so when you talk about having a bunch of notes in Sublime, like Hookmark makes it possible to... Uh, organize and search documents in disparate places. Yeah. Um, like I like NV Ultra for all of my notes yeah. and it like the full text search makes, I've never had, <laughs> I've never had to take more than five keystrokes to get to what I'm, what I'm looking for. But yeah. Yeah. I also have notes in PDF files. I have notes in quip documents. I have notes in, you know, wherever. And with Hookmark, I can correlate. Like I'll have a I'll have a project where it has a task paper file in my GitHub repository. And I will just hookmark, I will hook that that uh task paper file to all of the related notes, whether it's a mind map, whether it's an NV Ultra note, whether it's a document somewhere else on the system. And from any of those connected documents, I can then just load up Hookmark and flip to any other linked document. And it takes a little, there's some, there's a level of effort involved. You have to link things that you know you're going to want to switch between in the future. It's not like, it's not like tagging where you can just tag something with a common tag and then be able to find it in Finder search right. or with uh, Hootispot or whatever. Um, you have to you have to create very intentional links between items. So I have a question. Well, the first question is is a really important, obvious one, which is: Do the links to these files follow the files through the system if you move yes. them around? And yes. then, okay, I figured so. Um, they're, they're, I think they refer to them as sturdy links. Oh, sturdy. Uh, but sturdy yeah, link. like you know what? That's a sturdy link. It, so Mac OS offers this thing called bookmarks. Um, not not to the average user, but every file on the system has a kind of a digital footprint that you can change the name of the file, and the bookmark doesn't change. It represents a file system object um, that doesn't. It doesn't matter where it's located. It doesn't matter what it's named the bookmark will always find it. And I believe that's what Hookmark uses to make I was, these I was, you know, I was going to ask you, what does this look like behind? What's behind yeah. the link? Yeah. <clears throat> um, okay. So Hookmark can also work with um, any app that offers an Apple script or URL handler way to access a deep link, meaning... Like, sure, you can open the document, you can open a PDF, but what if you had a particular note in the PDF you wanted to be able to access? Yeah. Uh, or like a specific paragraph. And so a deep link would take you straight to that paragraph. Got it. Um, those don't have file system bookmarks the, they way don't. That, okay. the way that a file would. The file itself can, but it's dependent on the application to be able to read exactly where it wants to go and like hookmark is compatible with a ton of like pdf viewers for example um i can't remember i don't do a lot of deep linking in and pdf so i don't remember exactly what apps are compatible with it but um for researchers that that use uh pdfs constantly and yeah. want want to get to highlighted notes and stuff hookmark integrates with some very specific apps in ways that aren't necessarily file uh, OS dependent, uh, but they are app dependent. So in the case of deep links, that's not something that Apple provides any yeah. access to. That's something a, a programmer has to decide right. to add into their app. Right. Interesting. Um, and okay. So one final question about hookmark. 
<laughs> is actually about this bookmark thing you were just talking about. How can how can you see those? I mean, how can I, if I wanted to see what that file looks like and where those bookmarks are, what 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 would be my pathway to seeing it? Um, so I published a tool called. It's always book. the answer. I published <laughs> I published a tool called. <laughs> yeah, I, it's called Bookmark. I can't remember if it's easily accessible on my blog or not. I'll find a link for the show notes. Okay. Uh, but but really, like this is accessible through Objective C and Swift. Uh, it's not something that is exposed to yeah. any of the standard interface. Um, it's not search link. No, that's what comes up when I search Terpstra bookmark. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it's it's literally it's just a it's a compiled program bookmark on my site. Oh wait, I'll see if I can find you a link real quick. Edit. Yeah, no. Oh, bookmark CLI. Here it is. Dropping it into, we'll put it in Slack and you can see what I'm talking about. Awesome. Um, Jeff. That's me. That's me. Yeah. So it, like this tool I wrote basically uses Objective C to expose the bookmark data for a file. And it outputs it as a reasonable length, um, base 64 uh, kind of fingerprint. Got it. And it can read those and write those. So you can use it in scripts to, to follow a, a bookmark for a file. Instead of hard coding the path to a file, Yeah. Um, you can record its bookmark and access it again using that, no matter where the file moves to on the system. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, even though this was kind of its own deep graptitude, uh, before we get to official graptitude, because it, it, it's getting about that time, yeah. I just wanted to say, if I could snap my fingers and have any ability, it would be the ability to make space um, in a professional context, to make space when there's a new tool I see and I really want to play with it enough to be able to think about it, um, to be able to just make that space and not have it interrupt flows that are supposed to end in deadlines. I um, was talking to a friend who is a, an artist who makes these um, these things called breathers, Paul Chan. Um, and they're basically, if you think of the like wavy hand things at the, at the yeah. car lot, uh -huh. um, he kind of figured a way to make these into things that actually elicit other emotions besides just joy. <laughs> sure. Um, and, and whimsy. Um, and, and, and doing that, and if anybody's in Minnesota, he's 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 got a whole bunch of these at the Walker right now. Um, doing that sometimes just one piece. He spent eighty nine weeks sewing, breaking down, sewing, breaking down. And an artist can do that when they're successful and they make enough <laughs> sure. money that they can just decide <laughs> to do that. And he's in that wonderful place. Um, but I wish there was a way in in the manic world of knowledge work to find. Uh, time that isn't just that not not late at night when you can otherwise be hanging out with your friends or family, but in the in the in the course of the day to just make that spaciousness. Because boy, I got a long list of how I'd use that, <laughs> which then of course creates its own lack of spaciousness. <laughs> sure, sure, it's all the way down. Um, yep. But shall we graptitude? Yeah, let's do it. You go want ahead. Me to go first. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Um, I'm picking Kaleidoscope this week. Um, we may have picked it before, but they just came out with version four. Um, and the they had previously implemented a subscription price that, while I thought they deserved it, I didn't think it was um, commercially viable. A lot of money, um, like one twenty-five or something like that. Yeah, like the yearly cost. I paid would it. Have quickly <laughs> added up. Um, their new their new price is eight dollars a month if you pay yearly, um, which Got to it. me for for what they're offering is is a good sustainable deal. Um, 
and the new version does syntax highlighting of most coding languages and uh it adds this menu bar let me rewind uh kaleidoscope is a diff program mm -hmm. um it it gives you a a graphical interface to uh diffs changes between two versions of a file it works great with git for comparing change sets for uh doing merges uh, if you have a merge conflict, I don't mess around with uh, raw files or with cherry picking. I just run uh, git merge tool and it opens the conflicts for me in Kaleidoscope. And I can just use keyboard nice. shortcuts to navigate through and pick. Do I want the original or the modified or like my local version? and I merge them, save, hit save, and go back to Git and commit the changes and everything works. Um, it gives you, it's, it's, a, it's a great looking app. Uh, oh, so good. It makes diffs mesmerizing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and you can view diffs as side-by-side, -side, unified, or um, uh, with, I don't know what it's called when you have, it's like a map and it has like arrows between or like lines oh, yeah, yeah, between yeah. the yeah. two diffs. Um, I don't know what that's called, but uh, the newest version adds a menu bar item called uh, Kaleidoscope Prism. And you can use that to diff clipboard objects. You can drag multiple files to it. Um, and it runs even when Kaleidoscope isn't running. Uh, one, one feature they added was the ability to save a change set to, to save like uh, a comparison as a new file, hmm. allowing direct editing. And I, Interesting. I had to email them because I'm like, can you explain to me how this works in your workflow? Like under what circumstances is this? important so i'm waiting for an email back from them on that before i write a review for my blog oh um, nice because it seems like a very cool feature that should be important i just don't yet understand how it would fit into my workflow like mm -hmm. what what do i do that could be easier if i could save and edit a chain a merge file i guess they call That's it but that's what I do with spaciousness. <laughs> it's exactly the kind of shit I would do with spaciousness. So anyway, <laughs> if you're if you're a coder, it can also do um, image comparisons, so you can see exactly what changed between two versions of an image, um, and folder comparisons, which I find very handy. If like for my um, all of my fish functions. Yeah, I, I edit locally and then will publish the pertinent ones to GitHub. So I, I use uh, Kaleidoscope's folder comparison to compare my GitHub folder with uh, uh, my local folder. And, and then I can just click on the files that I actually want to show up in. The I GitHub. have not used it for that. That's great. Yeah, it's it's cool. So that's my pick for the week. The the if if we've got your ear at the moment, Kaleidoscope, the thing that I would love, and I'm sure it's a whole thing, or it would be there, is um, audio diffs. Uh, <laughs> just you know, like a three minute you know clip. You've got the waveform. You've edited a little bit. Show me how it's different. Show me what I cut out. Or, Show me or video while you're at it. Like yeah, I saw. I was watching. Um, a video on it was a reaction to a particular uh, hardcore um, creationist and it showed how they were editing when they published their version of an interview or a debate um, how they where they were editing the video because like this in, in this example the the debate itself in its full form was like an hour and a half. And what the creationist published was like 20 minutes that made him look like he won the debate. Yeah. And they showed uh, a frame, like a, like a, what would you call it? A timeline. Yeah. 
um, of the two versions with big red blocks. That's awesome. Where stuff was edited out. So that this would was be like a, a, a this was like a visualization they created. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily automatically generated, right? Yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know if there's a tool that does this. Like, it seems like it would be. There must be a tool that be does a, this. We'll, yeah, we'll do our there homework. There must be. It would be such a huge manual process to go through and like figure out exactly where something was edited but completely i I guess the the last thing i'd say about kaleidoscope is it's an app like name mangler which i love which is also beautifully designed where these are things you can do programmatically for the most part yeah but they make it not just user-friendly but like beautiful so that even it sounds like from you brett like even people who are perfectly capable of doing this without kaleidoscope choose kaleidoscope yeah because it's stunning Absolutely. <laughs> and it's very Absolutely. clear. Very, very clear. It's just a and, wonderful. And there are, there are free merge and diff tools. Um, D- Delta, I can't even remember. Like, I, I'm out of the game because yeah. Kaleidoscope stole my heart. <laughs> um, mine is actually just a way that I'm using Bunch um, this weekend as I'm when I, as I find little bits of time. So it, this is related to me talking about things getting chaotic and and wanting to have a big red button. Um, one specific way uh, things got chaotic for me last week is I had an incredibly uh, overscheduled week that involved you know interviewing candidates for this pro- project manager job and doing interviews for a project I'm on and all this stuff and. I don't know what happened, but twice this week under different circumstances, one my fault, one not, um, I was scheduled to interview a group of people and I only knew that I was the one on that interview because I'm sharing it with a colleague because I got that email from Zoom that said, so-and-so has joined your Zoom room, which is a fucking nightmare <laughs> if you right. don't know what that's about. <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. And so I'm I'm writing a bunch it happened twice, right? Like that's the other thing. It's like I feel like it's really important. Like if something happens twice, just try to take ten minutes and yeah. automate that shit. So um, it happened twice, and so I'm what I'm writing is a bunch that really pulls up the script, the protocol for that particular project. Um, gets me in my Zoom room as quickly as possible without video. Um, there was one where I was throwing on a shirt, I was putting <laughs> on a button-down shirt before I got just before I got there. Um, but just gets me set up and has everything in front of me. And actually, if that's the case, I can just pick right up. It's not a big deal. Like if it's if I only have two seconds to prepare, prepare, but everything's in front of me, that's okay. Yeah. It's when I start and I'm not prepared that I'm screwed. Yeah. So that's a that's a use for bunch. That's my gratitude. Thanks, Brett. You're welcome. (laughs) I haven't I haven't added much to bunch for a while now. Well, you added enough over the course of like a year. (laughs) (laughs) That was that was the result of many manic episodes. Right, right. Um, but now I've been stable for long enough that I've I've been able to correct some uh some bugs. I've done some bug fixing and oh, I added support for the Arc browser was like the last oh nice last update. Well, but. given the connection to manic episodes, I hope for absolutely no updates to bunch. <laughs> <laughs> Users out there, if you if you care about Brett, just just let him know. You're not looking for an update. Don't tell him you are looking for an update. My my psychiatrist and I and my therapist are all in agreement that the occasional occasional manic episode is productive for me. Yeah. Um and that I don't really want to live life with zero manic episodes. Yeah. Um, but like monthly manic episodes is a bit much to handle and yes. like constantly, constantly uh, ping ponging between mania and depression. Yeah. That's is, uh, is less productive than just being stable. So we're, we're finding our balance, but Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm so glad. That's really uh, that's been a big change over the arc of the time that I've been on this podcast and that I've known you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a constant it's a constant kind of struggle for me to like find a balance. Yeah. Yeah. Um I know one way that helps. Get some sleep. <laughs> Get some sleep, yeah. <laughs> the system is going down low.